have you open your Bibles to 2 Peter. I hope you were stirred by those videos. Some of you saw uh, a little bit of the first one, which we talked about last week, and some of you saw, most of you saw that one, um, that shows that we're in some crazy times. And I want to show you that the Bible says in Second uh, Peter chapter 3 that some people would say it's always been like this. Or some people would say, as we are talking tonight, in case you don't know, what we're, what we're talking about is the end times, meaning something's about to happen that's never happened before. And the Bible tells us that a time of tribulation's coming upon the earth. But we also believe through the word and through the scriptures that God has a way of escape for us as his believers. And that's uh, called his, his, his coming. And uh, I want to tell you that people have always, always scoffed, always mocked that Jesus would come again. I've even read some stuff lately that, that says that Jesus is not going to come again. There are, there are Christians, there are churches that believe that Jesus is not coming again. We're just going to die. We're just going to continue to live on. And there's no second coming. There's no millennial reign. And uh, as you continue to see things come about, there's more and more false doctrines more and more things that are being taught that are not in this Bible. I'll give you an example. Just, just today I was reading, and uh, it's funny because you have to really learn and study to know what you believe, amen, to know what you uh, see as truth because you can begin to read something and you can begin to see truth and truth and truth and truth, and then if you don't know, you can catch, you can be caught with a lie, and then it can lead you down a road of deception, and it's kind of like poison, they only put a little bit of poison in the food that kills a rat. They're just, just enough to kill. And so we have to make sure that we know the truth, and that's why we study. That's why we do things like this. So we're not just sitting there as Christians just kind of going, oh, I'll just believe whatever they tell me. Well, we've talked a little bit, for example, let me tell you this, for example, about the 144,000 that are in the book of Revelation. And we've talked about how they are going to be Jews, Jewish men, virgin men, from that are gonna that are gonna convert to Christ and they're gonna preach during the tribulation. How many remember when we were talking about that? Does anybody remember that? And we saw in the word that it's clearly 144,000 men. And so I was reading this thing today and it's saying all this different stuff, and then all of a sudden they began to say that the ones that are going to be raptured are 144,000 people, and they're sealed by God. And they're the ones that are going to get to be out of the tribulation. And it's 144,000. It's not scriptural. Because the Bible says there are 144,000 male virgins. So that, that God, God is not a sexist God. Amen. He has an order in, in the house. But he, he, he's, not keeping men, uh, he's not taking men in and keeping women out. And so we know for that. And then it says very clearly in Revelation that there's 12,000 men from each 12 tribes of, of the Israelites. So it clearly says what those 144,000 are. Y'all following me? You got to be careful of what you read and what you believe and what you listen to. And you have to take all the scriptures together. I saw another thing today. There's a guy, I, didn't really, I hadn't really heard of him, but I guess he was pretty big, about four years ago, who pastored a mega church, large, large, large church. I don't even know where, somewhere in the United States. And as he's pastoring, I don't know, he lost his mind. 
began to preach crazy stuff, and I just saw a little video today that he was on with Oprah, and that tells you enough in itself, right? On with Oprah and began to talk there, and in the conversation it came up that uh, they were saying, well, when do you think this will happen? He says, very soon. I'm almost like, okay, what's he saying? Well, then when do you think this is going to happen? Very soon. She said, when do you think this is going to happen? He says, I think very soon that the church is going to accept gay marriage. That was what they were talking about. And he said, we cannot continue to, to, to live our lives off of a book that was written 2,000 years ago. Now, this is a pastor who pastors a mega church. And a lot of people are following him. And he's saying these kinds of things. So I say that because we're living in days where there's a lot of false doctrines. The Bible actually calls them doctrines of demons. These are things that are, what another word is apostasy. When you begin to say something or, or change who Jesus is or change his character or change what he did on the cross or any of those things, that's apostasy. So I want to show you in 2 Peter 3 to start off tonight. Verse 1. He says, Beloved, I write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where, here's the, here's the, here's the thing, where is the promise of his coming. Okay, that's what they're saying. Where's this promise at? Just, just stop for a second. We'll continue reading. That's, that's what I want you to focus on. That is where we are right now tonight. We're, we are saying, God, we believe that this is through the signs that we're seeing and the things that are going on in the earth. Your return is soon. Your return is imminent. Your return is in any moment. Yet the world and church Christians are saying, where is the promise of his coming? Saying, when's it going to happen? And people say, ah, you know, they've been saying that for years. They've been saying that for years. When's it ever going to happen? Well, God knew we people, we people would say that. That's why he wrote this. It says, where's the promise of his coming? That was verse uh, 4. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, that's a general normality. Okay? We know now the stuff we're seeing is not is not normal, but there's still a general normality to the world. We've been talking about that as in the days of Noah. It says, for this, they will willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. So he's reminding us this, this world has seen this before and what happened was judgment. Okay, we're going through the same cycle again. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved, word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of who? Ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. This is a key. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. Y'all looking at the Bible? All right. But his, or sorry, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
And then what does verse 10 say? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Okay, that's what I want you to see tonight. Now, now I want you to go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just go back in your Bible to the left a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Can you guys see back there? We can turn some more lights on. Everybody can see back there? Yeah? Okay. Enough light. 1 Thessalonians 4. Tell me when you get there. What? More light? Yes, sir. Okay. You're welcome. Y'all there? Now, my Bible says right before we read verse 13, something very important for us tonight is we live in a crazy world. It says, the comfort of Christ's coming. How many know God loves us? He loves, those, he loves everybody, but He especially loves those who obey Him. And those who love Him. Those who respect Him and those who obey Him. And so He has a plan. He's always had a plan. His plan doesn't change. No matter what we do, what the world does, His plan remains the same. And believe it or not, He's had a plan since the beginning, and he has a plan all the way to the end. You know, he didn't, like, make up the flood. He didn't say, well, let's do this this way now. He's had a plan since the beginning. And this is one of the things I really want you to understand tonight. No matter what goes on on this earth, no matter what happens, no matter what we do, he doesn't change. There's no variance in him. And so we have to understand that I was talking to my brother-in-law about this, and I want to give an example. Because this thing said, concerning his promise, he is not slack. So sometimes in our minds, we can think, okay, and I used to think this, I'm going to be honest, erroneously. I used to think, well, Jesus will wait. He's going to wait not to come back yet because he wants more people to be saved. There's no doubt he wants more people to be saved. But he's a God of order. He's a God of time. And he has everything planned out already. And for example, let me give you an example. You don't have to look at it, but Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, then comes judgment. You know what that means? That means that the day you are born and the day you die is already known by God. Nothing's going to change that. Zero. Do you all realize that? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing on he in heaven and nothing on earth that can change the day that you are already appointed to die. God already knows that day. Y'all understand that? So everything that he does is order. We, we don't look at it that way sometimes. I used to think, man, maybe God's waiting to come back or, or maybe he'll just wait longer because we want more people to be saved. And again, there's a truth to that because he does. But he still already has a time established for everything. We have to understand that. Because when we saw there in Peter that it says a thousand days is a, is a, is a, day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day, that means that his time is not our time. But he has a time. And we saw that in Genesis 1. We've been looking at that a lot with the moon and the stars and the sun, that they're times and seasons. So we need to understand that what God has established by cycles and time is going to happen. Okay, please get that in your understanding. And we got that understanding a lot, and I'm going to go over that tonight to re-hit it again one time in a second about establishing the feasts of the Lord and understanding that those are appointed times those are dates in God's calendar, and he is not going to change his dates. We change our dates. We'll be like, hey, I got to cancel. 
hey, we gotta, we got to do something different. Now, it doesn't mean God can't because God's God. But we have to learn God by his character. One of the things you've got to thank God for is that he doesn't change because if he changed, right when we figured him out, he would change on us. That wouldn't be fair, right? His word is written. His word doesn't change. I think yesterday or the day before I sent out that verse, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He's not going to change what he wrote in the word. Okay? So let me go over these feasts real quick with you and, and give you an example of this, why it's so important to understand the timing that we're in. Okay, the timing that we're in. If you saw that video, you heard something very crazy, and I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, in the middle of that second video right there. It said that the world, not Christians, are saying that the atomic clock of the world is at three minutes to midnight. Did y'all catch that? The atomic clock. They're looking at the... The, the, the stuff with Iran and nuclear war. They're looking at the, 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 the climate in the world. They're looking at all these different things. And there is a scientist saying, man, this, this, this can't last much longer. Something's got to give. Something's got to happen. So write this down quickly for, 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 to not take too much time on it. Some of you already know this, but it's important. Leviticus 23, if you just write that down. Don't go to it for time. I'm just going to give you a quick run through. Leviticus 23 is called the Feast of the Lord. Okay? Feast in Hebrew is moed. Moedim means appointed times. Okay, for us that means dates on the calendar, so to speak. And one thing I've been telling you these last few months that we've been doing forums and talking about end times is that God has allowed us to really see the word of God come alive through the eyes of these rabbis that have gotten saved. Do you all understand that, how important that is? doesn't mean that rabbis haven't gotten saved over the span of 2,000 years. But the combination of technology and the combination of, of these key men now that have gotten saved, that were, that were Jews and now are Messianic Jews, they have, they have almost like you could just picture, almost like looking at a picture, and then all of a sudden it just goes, it's blurry, and then all of a sudden it just clears up. And you're like, wow. You thought you were seeing something, and then you're like, wow, that's what I'm seeing. Okay, I'm going to give you an example of that. These, these rabbis have given us an understanding of the Old Testament we can't get. I was talking to my brother-in-law in Costa Rica today. And I was telling him about this. And I said, if I was trying to understand Costa Rican culture, act like I've never been there. Never been there. And I'm, I want to learn Costa Rican culture. It would be very difficult for me to truly understand Costa Rican culture as an American that speaks English from here to learn about Costa Rica without going there, without talking to natives, and definitely without understanding the language. Okay? I could get a general idea. But there'd be a lot of things that I'd be missing. But now, if I talk to my brother-in-law, who's a Costa Rican, and he speaks English, which is my language, he could give me insight on Costa Rica that I never could have understood just trying to understand Costa Rica from here through, through my language of English, when it's a Spanish language, it's another country. Y'all follow that? He, he would tell me stuff and make things so clear for me about Costa Rica, mostly because he spoke my language. Even, even if he was trying to tell me through a translator or something, but he's telling me in English, and so, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense. These rabbis have taken things from the Bible in the Old Testament that didn't mean much to us. Not, not on purpose, they just didn't mean much. We didn't understand it, and it's like they've put a magnifying glass on it and a clarity, and now we go, oh, that's what that means. And so something very important, and you think, well, why is this happening now? Why are we getting this understanding now? Because it's God's time. 
I told, I told you, I told you before, I told you again, this guy that, that's got 70,000 hours, fat fifth generation preacher has learned more than in the last two years than his entire ministry because of these rabbis bringing stuff out of the old Testament to make sense. Okay. It's, it's, it's just a total understanding. My dad said, my dad's been saved 50 years. He said last Friday in the discipleship, he heard something he hasn't heard in 50 years. Why? Because we're in the last days and knowledge is increasing. And, and our eyes are being opened up to things we didn't see before. So, for example, the Feast of the Lord. Just write these down real quick. I had them up last week. If you don't need it tonight. Our, our things you're going to remember. Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. First Fruits. Feast of Pentecost. Those are, those are called spring feasts. Spring for us is March, April. Okay, that's the time of the year spring is for us. Fall Feast would be September, October for us. In our, in our calendar over here. And so these feasts are called appointed times. And what I want you to understand is, this is very important, is everything that he fulfilled, Jesus, when he came 2,000 years ago, he fulfilled feasts of the Lord that were, that were spoken about thousands of years before that in the Leviticus book of Leviticus by Moses. Okay, he fulfilled those. So when he died, he fulfilled... Passover, as he became that lamb. He fulfilled unleavened bread as he became the bread without sin. Then he fulfilled first fruits as he rose from the dead. Okay? Everybody follow those three things? Now, he fulfilled those. Let, let's do this real quick. I wasn't going to do this, but let's do a Stay in First Thessalonians. Hold that somehow. And go to Acts chapter 2. And I want to show you this. This is very, very important. Acts chapter 2. And actually in the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll see Paul reiterate these feasts, talk about these feasts, and say stuff in the feasts where he's saying unleavened bread, first fruits. He's reiterating them again, and he's saying Jesus fulfilled these. Okay, does everybody understand that? It's basically like a date that God had set and Jesus came and fulfilled those dates on those days. On those days, okay? Now, when I say on those days, I'm going to show you what I mean. So he died. We know he died. We know he, he, he was placed in the tomb. And we know after three days, he what? Rose again. Now, after that, 50 days later, Watch what Acts chapter 2 says. Remember when he says, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to go up into heaven, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you, and I want you to, to, to wait for the promise. Remember that? We all, we all look at that and we say, oh, wow, okay, we're going to get the promise. And we miss that there's something below that that's very important. There was a date. There was a time, there was an appointment that the church fulfilled, which was the fourth one of the seven feasts, which was Feast of Pentecost. Or another one is Feast of Weeks. Okay, now look what these words say on chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had what? Fully come. I'm not going to read any more. The rest is not relevant to what I'm trying to say here. That's the day the church started. And the church started on the day of Pentecost. Fulfilling the fourth feast. Does everybody see that? 
on that, so it says when, we, we said that when the day had fully come. Before, we didn't really understand that. We just thought, oh, that, that, that day. And erroneously, I said, I've said this the last few weeks, we say, oh, they're Pentecostals. We today say, oh, those Pentecostals that speak in tongues. Anybody who's a Christian is a Pentecostal. Because the church started on the day of Pentecost. See how we get things wrong? We label things by what people tell us. And we don't really understand what this means. The church of grace, the age of grace, the church of Gentiles started on the day of Pentecost. And that from that day forward till today, in 2015, we have been in what the Bible calls the dispensation of grace. The age of grace. What is the age of grace? That we're not saved by works. That we're saved simply by faith. Okay, everybody see that? And so, we have been for 2,000 years now in the age of grace, in the dispensation of grace, in the church age. Now, this age has to come to an end. Why does it have to come to an end? Because there's a group of people left that God has to deal with, and they're called His people. They're called the Jews. His his nation, Israel, has to be dealt with. Why? Because there was a covenant made with them. And it says all Israel would be saved. There's a covenant left to be dealt with. And that's what the tribulation is for, is for seven years of testing not only the unbelievers and not only those who didn't take things serious, but for testing the Jews, his people, so that they would be saved and believe in the Messiah. Okay, is everybody following me so far? Now, why is this important to us? It's very, very, very important. Why is it very important? Because the next feast that is going to happen is called Feast of Trumpets. If you want to write that down, the following feast after that is Day of Atonement. What's Day of Atonement, Jeff? Yom Kippur, right? All right, Yom Kippur. The following one is Feast of Tabernacles. So now, here's the crazy thing. We're in September. We are in the month that the feasts, the fall feasts are fulfilled every year. Okay, every single year for the last 2,000 years, well, not 2,000, way more than 2,000, all the way going back, all the way going back to the book of Exodus, they have been practicing the Jews these days. Now, we do know for the last 2,000 years, they haven't had their temple in Jerusalem. Okay, because it was destroyed in 70 AD. But they celebrate as Jewish people every year these celebrations. Spring and fall, spring and fall, spring and fall. Every year. So now, here we are in September. Back in, in, in uh, March and April, the, fall, the, the spring feasts were celebrated again. But they were celebrated as something that's already happened. Okay? For us. The Jews are still looking. They're not celebrating that because Jesus for them hasn't come yet. They missed him. But now the church is looking at these appointed times. And it, do you think that just because the Jews didn't believe that his feast change? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. His calendar doesn't change. His plan doesn't change. His appointed times don't change. So the next thing on the calendar is Feast of Trumpets. Now this month, 13th of September 
is Feast of Trumpets. 23rd of September is Day of Atonement. 28th of September is Feast of Tabernacles. So we've been talking about these things. Why are these important? They're very, very important because they're called signs. They're called appointed times. And Jesus said when we begin to see these things begin to happen, we need to look up, we need to watch and be ready and pray because we've got to understand that the time is at hand. Okay, now I'm not going to go into tonight over again everything that I've been talking about because that's one of the hardest things is to remember everything I've talked about. But I'm trying to hit key things tonight to, to get you to realize where we're at. So what's happening now, just to remind you and not take too much time on this, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. We'll read that in just a second. And as you're getting there, I'm going to explain to you what these things mean. Feast of trumpets. Rapture of the church. Day of atonement. The second coming of Christ. And feast of tabernacles, the millennial reign. So if we look back and we tie, now it's, how, why does that make sense? Because Passover was Jesus dying on the cross. Unleavened bread was him being buried in the tomb. First fruits was him rising from the dead. Feast of Pentecost was the church being born. Then the next thing that should happen, or the next thing on the calendar is Feast of Trumpets, then Day of Atonement, then Tabernacles. So if Jesus fulfilled the spring feast on time every day that they were supposed to fall, why wouldn't he fulfill the fall feast the same way? Right? Why wouldn't he? Can he change? Yeah, he's God, but his word says he doesn't. He's not there trying to fool us. So here we are in the year 2015, but according to the Jewish calendar, if you go to a place, if you want to write this down, called TorahCalendar.org, don't do it right now, but write it down, you'll see that on that thing, we're in the year 6001. 6001. Now think about that for a second. A day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. God created the earth in six days, and the seventh day he rested. So we've had six days of earth, six days of creation, six days of life, regardless of what scientists say, and regardless of what anybody else says, I choose to believe God's word. Okay, history tells us that. 4,000 years before Jesus, 2,000 years since. So according to the Bible, there's only one day left, one, one day which is called a thousand years. That will be the reign of Jesus Christ on the earth called the millennial reign. It's in the book of Revelation where he will rule and reign once again from Jerusalem. But when he comes the second time to the earth, okay, that's very important. When he touches down on the earth, he will be coming as a king. Okay, he was born in a manger the first time. This time he's coming as a king. You see the difference? But we have to understand that there's a thing called the snatching away, the catching away, the rapture, the harpasso in Greek, called the rapture, snatching away from danger, that happens to the believers that is the church before the tribulation comes and before Jesus comes back with the church in the second coming to touch down on the earth. Okay? I've got a whole list right here that I don't think I'm going to get into tonight, but this entire list right here shows the difference between the rapture and the second coming. Okay? I'll give this to anybody that wants it, but I'll give you just a couple of examples while I'm talking about it. 
In the rapture, for example, the snatching away, the catching away of the saints, the, the, the Bible says that Jesus will remain in the air. The Bible says that we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the air to be with the Lord. It never says he comes down to the earth. That's what the rapture says in 1 Thessalonians, which we're going to read in just a second. In the second coming, when he comes to the earth to start his millennial reign, it says that he will come down to earth and stand on the Mount of Olives. So there's a difference between the snatching away and the second coming. And that's just one example. There's many. All these differences, scripturally, of the two. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians. And let's understand what, some, what the Bible says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Give me an amen if you're there. Verse 13. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now sleep is another word for death. For, we, for this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, watch this, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and look what it says, and with the trumpet of who? God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, I want to throw something in here real quick before I say the next part. This is very important. There are teachings that say that Jesus is going to come in the rapture when it says, because of 1 Corinthians 15 says, at the last trump. That's the word it says, at the last trump. Okay? So teachings from Revelation will say that how many remember in, in the book of Revelation we have seven seals? Seven trumpets and seven what? Bowls. Okay? Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. 21 events that are going to happen. And so when those things begin to take place, we see that the, there's teachings that will say that Jesus is going to come, that that last trump means the last of the seven. Okay? How many see? How many can see that that, that, that could make sense? Except if you go to the book of Revelation and see who's blowing the trumpets, it's not God. At the trumpets of God in Revelation, angels blow the trumpets. See, this is where we begin to dissect the word and we begin to see what the Bible says and not what people say. This is where we begin to get an understanding of things clearly and concisely. Okay? The Bible says right here in this verse, who will blow the trumpet? Who, who blows the trumpet here? Trumpet of God. God. And it says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Okay, the Lord himself. That's very key. And we who are alive remain shall be caught up in the air with him. In the time of the trumpets, it's angels that blow it. Okay, and that, by the way, those are, those are judgment trumpets. This is not judgment. So there's a distinction there. And then at the second coming of Christ, which is in Revelation 19, when he comes back with the armies of heaven, and that's the church, when that happens, the Bible says that he sends out his angels to gather the elect from the four corners of the earth and from heaven. And the elect is a different word than church. Okay? 
because we're not going to be here. The church is going to be in heaven already. We're going to be coming back with him. So he's going to gather those who are alive still at the end of the tribulation, which the Bible tells us will not be a whole lot of people, but there will be. Okay, but the key is, is that the rapture, the Lord himself descends from heaven. By him, he doesn't say anything about angels. And in the second coming, the angels gather the people. Who gathers us in the rapture? Jesus. We meet him in the air. Okay, that's very important. Now here's another thing that's very important. It says right here that the dead in Christ will rise first. So that means that there's a resurrection that means that all those who have died since Jesus are going to resurrect. They're going to come alive. And, they're going, and when it says he's going to bring them with him, that means that their spirit and soul is in heaven right now. But their body's not. Don't try to figure that one out, okay, by the way. We can't, we can't get that concept. But the Bible says our bodies are going to become, the corruptible will become incorruptible. And so we're going, to be, we're going to be transformed in a moment, in a twinkling of eye, and our bodies will meet, the, the, those that have died in Christ will meet their spirit in the air. And they'll be reunited again. But it'll be a glorified body. It won't be that same body that went to the grave. How many can say amen? amen? So then it says in verse 17, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. And he says, comfort one another with these words. That's very important. <clears throat> because tonight, even though we're living in very perilous times, we are still able to comfort one another. We're still living in a, in a, certain, a sort of normal lifestyle. Okay? Compared to what the Bible says will happen in the tribulation. Everything that's normal will not be anymore. You know, as much as I love sports, there will be no sports in the tribulation. There's not going to be people going to games. When the economy collapses and these, these trumpets and bowls begin to come upon the earth, life as we know it is not going to be happening anymore. There's no way that there's going to be sporting events. There's no way that the normal thing, it's going to be survival. It's going to be absolute. Just, just, take, just take a picture for a second. You tell me right now how many of those Syrians fleeing from Syria are going to the movies tonight. You tell me how many of those Syrians fleeing for their life tonight are going to go watch a game. They're trying to survive. They're trying to find food. They're trying to find a place to sleep. Let me tell you something. That stuff going on in Syria is a picture of the tribulation. And some people might say, if you have a good heart, you're going to say, man, I can't imagine that. I can't, I can't grasp that. Man, it's so painful. It's so hard. If you think it bothers you, it bothers God way more. Because it's not his intention. That's us. That's humankind. That's human beings, mankind disobeying God. Amen? It's sin. And so we have to understand that when this really gets, gets down to business, we're going to be in a time where there's not, and, and, and we're not going to be living normal life. And so tonight, on Tuesday night, the 8th of September, today's the 8th, right? We're still living a certain kind of normal life. But the Bible's shouting out through history that things are about to change. And why we've been doing this forum, guys, 
is, and I know it's hard sometimes, I know it's hard for us to sit here with air conditioning on and lights on and we just came from work and probably got something to eat and you're going to go to a house tonight and sleep in a bed, you have a car, all these, it's hard, kind of hard for us to really realize that in a moment, in a second, everything can change. In a moment. When Katrina happened, it happened in a second. When 9-11 happened, it happened in a second. These things begin to happen suddenly, the Bible says. There's a word called suddenly. And actually, the Bible says that when people begin to say peace and safety, then comes destruction. So we've got to understand that tonight, we're in a moment that we might not have again. That's why we're telling our friends. That's why we're sending messages to people. That's why we're inviting people. Because we don't know if we're going to have this kind of moment again. Going off of what we're looking at. And so you say, why, why is September 2015 so important? Let me hit that real quick before, before we go on. Cycles. Times. We are in today, remember, just quickly, six years, six days, seventh year, seventh day, six, years of, six days of work, seventh day rest, Sabbath, six years of work, seventh year, Sabbath, rest. It's called the Shemitah year in Hebrew. Every time there's seven years, it's a cycle. It's very important. We're, we're, we live in cycles. Our, our life is cycles, if you don't really realize. Our life is cycles. Okay? And so every seven years is a cycle. Every time there's seven cycles of seven years, it's 49 years. Every time there's seven cycles of seven years and you get the 49 years, the Bible has something called a year of jubilee. Many of you have read that word in the Bible. And we kind of just pass it by. Jubilee is very important. It's every 50 years. Since the writings of Moses, we have now complete, or sorry, are going to complete. Watch this and pay attention. Monday or Tuesday, and I'll tell you why Monday or Tuesday in a second. Monday or Tuesday, we're going to start a new year in the Jewish calendar. Not ours. Ours is in January 1st. But the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar. So we're coming to the end of the Jewish year. And on Monday or Tuesday, a new year is going to start. And guess what it's going to start? It's going to start the 70th Jubilee cycle. 70th. Now, some of this stuff is too deep for some people, but I'm trying to hit it. But it's really not that hard. 70 is a very symbolic number. And as we know from the book of Daniel... 70 is what Daniel 9 talks about that there would have to happen for, for time to end. And then there's one week left, which is the week of tribulation. Okay? So we're coming up on the 70th jubilee. Now there's been 40 jubilee cycles since Christ. This will be the 40th. How many know 40 is symbolic? The Israelites were in the wilderness 40 years. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 years. So that's a symbolic number. Then we also know again in the year of creation, we're in the year 6,000. So it starts to say, wow, time, time's beginning to really collapse on us. Something, something's getting close. It's like a baby. It's like the birth of a baby. We've talked about that a lot. That's thankfully one thing we can really understand because most of us have been around babies being born. We've, we're married. We've had babies. We have cousins. We have nieces. We have nephews. We understand that whole nine-month process that when that baby begins to get close to being born, we know that there's contractions and, and it won't be very long till that baby's born. Right? And we talked about how, you, you know, a baby can be born early. 
And a baby can be born a little late, but a baby doesn't go much past. A baby don't go 17 months. Right? So, here's an example that the, I feel like the Lord gave me today. I was talking to my brother. I'm trying to catch my brother-in-law up on all this stuff. If anybody doesn't know, I led my brother to the Lord about two years ago. He was an atheist his entire life. So I'm trying to keep him up to speed on all this stuff. And it's actually really awesome because he doesn't have any background to be clouded with. So that's kind of cool. But he's a sponge. So I'm trying to keep him up with this stuff. So him and his wife have a four-year-old son. Many of you have met them. And they have a baby in the, in the burner, in the oven. She's going to be born in November. She, right? I think it's November 15th. <laughs> okay? So, that's a due date. Baby could be born right now. Babies come early. But the due date is, is November 15th. And so they know that around November 15th, that baby's going to come out. Now watch this, how this relates to the timing of the Lord. When you begin to get closer and closer... Contractions begin to happen. I've had two girls, so I know what this is like. Well, I didn't personally have them, but I was there. They begin to get closer. You begin to feel those contractions. They get heavier and heavier, and there's things called false alarms. Sometimes we see in, in, in prophecy and things like that false alarms. That doesn't mean that, that they're not legitimate. just doesn't mean it's, it's, not, it's not time yet. That baby's not going to come out. So you might be a few weeks away. You go in. You see the doctor. Doctor says it's a false alarm, right? Did anybody ever have that happen when you're having a baby? False alarm, okay? So you say, okay, it's a false alarm. Come back in two weeks, whatever. So when that happens, here's the thing. You've got a date of November 15th. So I told my brother-in-law today, let's say on, in November 1st, you guys haven't painted the room yet. There's a few things you haven't bought yet. There's an unfinished business that's not ready yet. If that baby wants to come on November 1st, that baby's going to come on November 1st, whether you've painted the room, bought the stuff for it, or are prepared. That baby's coming when the baby's coming. There's no way around that. You can't say, time out. You can't say, wait. You can't say, I'm not ready. And that is the thing that God has shouted for 2,000 years in the church. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Don't fall asleep. Don't get busy with your life. Don't let things come in and cloud your time. Stay ready. Watch and pray. Because the Son of Man cometh when no man knows. And he comes like a thief in the night. And he comes when we least expect it. You hardly ever, rarely are just sitting there going, you know what, I think this baby's going to come in just a couple minutes. It doesn't happen that way. You just don't know. You can prepare as much as you can, but you, when it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you, when Jesus already established the time to come, it's not going to change. Why do I say that? Because many of us in here are saying, I'm not ready. And that might not even mean spiritually. That might mean, uh, I, I need to get married. I, I, I've got a kid on the way. I'm starting my career. I'm building a house. Whatever it is. My brother-in-law said today, if anybody could not want the Lord to come back yet, it'd be me. I have a baby on the way. 
I just got saved. I got a lot of unfinished business to do. I was just telling people recently, I feel like we have more unity in the church right now than we've ever had before. I feel like we have families and groups that are, that are wanting to be disciple like never before. I feel like there could be a great harvest that could come. But listen, none of that has anything to do with when Jesus is coming. Because Jesus is coming when Jesus is coming. Do you get that? We can say all day, all day long. And I told people that. I said, man, I, 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 could, I, could, I could use another year. Let's get more people saved. And God wants more people to get saved. That's, that's true. But he has an appointed time. He's not going to change his times because he's a God of order. That's why this is so important to realize where we're at. And all these signs that are pointing to now. You know, we saw videos just now. We've seen things over and over again. The, the whole world's talking about September. Not even Christians. And so you say, well, could, could September come and go and nothing happen? Of course. But I would say I doubt it. Because it's too much. You know what happens when you have too much overload something? It breaks. And right now the signs... And the convergences prophetically are so strong that if we had too many lights on, we've had it happen before, too many lights on, too many airs on, a breaker's going to pop. It's going to kick. It's too much. It's a surge. And I feel in my spirit that that's what's going on right now. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know that we are in the last days. Jesus said we could know. And so this year... This, this year we've been in, right now, we are still with just a few days left. We are in a Shemitah year. And we know the cycles. I've been saying for months that, that Monday, guys, just a few days away, just as sure as that sun's going to rise tomorrow, we're going to have an economic collapse. Something's going to happen. Why? Because it happened seven years ago, and it happened seven years before that. It's a cycle. And, it's, and our country's not getting better. We're worse off today than we were 14 years ago. We just approved gay marriage. <laughs> right? Y'all realize where we're at? We're not better. We're worse. The world is worse than it was. So God's not going to sit back and say, well, let me, you know what? I, did, I know, I, I, know, I, I, know I, uh, I judged Sodom and Gomorrah, but I'm not going to judge America. I know I judged uh, the, time, the people of Noah, but I'm not going to judge this world. He's a just God. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? So um, I want to show you guys a quick video. And uh, when we get done watching this, I'll That's how it's going to go down. How many believe that? Amen. It's going to happen. That's what the Bible says. Many scoffers will say it won't, but the Bible says it will. Go to Luke 21 with me. And I want to say a prayer in just a moment. Verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation 
of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now I believe that those things right there are, are what is going to happen when the rapture happens. I believe that, that, I believe that uh, it, it can go more than this, but can you imagine hearing or being raised in church or having a head knowledge of who God is and knowing deep down inside like you saw in that video of a whole bunch of people that have heard it and heard it and heard it never took it serious and then all of a sudden your loved ones are gone and you know that's what happened I really have always thought about that verse where it says men's hearts failing them for fear I mean just realizing I have missed the coming of the Lord I have missed the opportunity to escape how many understand that part the Bible's telling us that we can escape. I said that on Sunday, that if, if this building, if I told you in 20 minutes, it was going to collapse. But there was a way out. And all you had to do was go through that exit door. You'd be a fool to stay in this building. And Jesus says that I'm coming. Be ready. Be watching. Be waiting so that that day will not come upon you unexpectedly. And he says, for those that are in the light, those that are in the light are the ones that believe and love him and have a relationship with him and are looking forward to him. You know, we're going to have a wedding with Jesus. We're, gonna, we're the bride of Christ and he's the groom and we're going to have a wedding with him. There's no wedding on this earth. I don't care how rich they are that can even compare to what that day is going to be like. And so if we love the Lord... I've never heard of two people loving each other and not looking forward to their wedding day. We shouldn't be afraid. These things shouldn't scare us to a point of, now I don't say they can't scare you in a godly fear way, but they shouldn't scare us because the Bible says we don't have to be here for that. Now the crazy thing is that's the beginning of sorrows. That, that, this thing says there's signs in the sun. This is really important to see. Signs in the sun. Jeff, drop this just a little bit. It's just a little bit hot. Signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, seas and waves weren't. We're seeing all that happen right now. We're seeing this craziness go on. But then it says, then they will see the sun. So that's something that happens first. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen? We who are looking for the return of Christ are going to see Him. Now there's a difference again between us seeing the Lord when the trumpet sounds and us being caught up into the air with the Lord. There's a difference between that and the second coming when it says every eye shall see Him. Even those who, what? Pierced Him. The world is going to see Jesus at the second coming. But the rapture of the church, they will not see us go. They will not see us uh, in the air. They will just see us gone. The Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you will be gone. Okay? And we'll be, we'll be where we've always wanted to be. And so we need to do what the following verses here say. And let's just go ahead and read 29. Look at the fig tree. Now, if you haven't been in prophecy very long, what's the fig tree? Somebody shout it out. Israel is the fig tree. Okay? 
Now remember, until 1948, there was no fig tree. So for 2,000 years, people read this and did not know where the fig tree was. Because they were on the earth, but they were not in Israel. Israel was not a nation. But when you see the fig tree and all the trees, it says, <clears throat> sorry, when they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer's near. So you also know when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation by no means will pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now look at these last couple of verses. You might be saying, what do I got to do to be ready? Here's the answer. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. What will come as a snare? The tribulation. The fact that they have to be here will be a snare. And it will become on the whole earth. And we, we haven't even talked ever in this entire forum in depth about the, the bowls. Y'all realize I've never read the bowls? I've mentioned here and there. But it's not even necessary because I know we're smarter than that. We don't want to be here for those things and we won't be here for those things because we're taking heed. Those things are not for His church. Those things are for an unbelieving, mocking, as you've seen in those videos, hateful, disobedient generation of people and world of people who don't believe in God. Okay? But if you, if you really want to realize why you don't want to be here, go read those verses. Because the last one, I always like to throw out the last one, it's the easiest one, says the Bible says there'll be an earthquake like never, and that's after a whole bunch of other earthquakes. This is just the last one. An earthquake like the world's never seen before, and it says that every island will disappear. That's pretty powerful. So some people say, well, we've already been through the tribulation. No, I still see islands. I believe the Bible as is. Every island will disappear. We have not seen an earthquake like that. We've seen a lot of bad ones. Okay? But then it says, on top of the earthquake, 100-pound hailstones will be coming down on the earth. And that's just the last event of 21. So I ask you this question. How in the world will we be comforting each other while the earthquake that's taking islands out is going on and hailstones that are 100 pounds are coming down. How would we be, hey, doing good, man. Jesus is coming soon. There's no comforting going on in that time. The comforting's now. The comforting is that, hey, we don't got to be here for that. We don't have to be here when that wrath of God comes down. We can be ready and take the escape, which is Jesus coming for his church, but it's a church without spot or wrinkle, how do you be without spot or wrinkle? By pleading the blood of Jesus over your life. How do you be without spot or wrinkle? By clearing out your heart from things that are impure. How do you be the church of Christ and the, the blood-bought church and the wrinkless church and the spotless church? By loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And not loving this world. Not carousing, it says here, 
and drunkenness and being weighed down with the cares of this life. Look at verse 36. Watch, therefore, and pray, what? Always. That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. It's very important. And stand before the Son of Man. That's a promise. That's a promise for today. That's not a promise in two weeks. That's not a promise in a year. That's a promise for right now. Because we're not promised tomorrow. Do you realize, I was talking about this with my father-in-law the other day. Do you realize that that part that says, for that day will come upon you unexpectedly? Do you realize that a whole lot of people have already had that day come? Which was their death? Well, I'll just, I'll just get right when, you know, next week, like the thing said. Well, what if you die today? Can't say that. Well, I'll, I'll be ready when the rapture happens. What if you die today and your rapture is today? That guy says, I'm just going to build up more barns and just build up and build up. He says, you fool, I'll require your soul from you tonight. We can't do that. We've got to understand, even if the rapture didn't happen for 100 years, what if you die next week? What if you're in an earthquake and you die and your heart's not right? The rapture's imminent, but we've got to understand, our life it can end in any moment. It's a vapor. And then we will, as Hebrews 9.27 says, stand before God. Amen? So let's bow our heads tonight for a second. Close your eyes. I want to give an opportunity tonight.